fucking deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucking deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucking deep. Put it in deep. You know, get pucks deep, putting the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. You can never go wrong with getting pucks in deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out, getting pucks deep. Pucks in deep. Pucks in deep. Puck deep. Pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. Put it in deep. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Pucks in deep podcast. Episode 81. Phil Kessel. We're back. We're raring to go. My buddy. Adam Lesko, and myself, Josh Coleman. Here we are. Lesko, welcome back, my friend. Quick episode this week, eh? Oh, we're going to do a quick one here. And uh, I know it's been a little bit of gap in between uh, a lot of our episodes lately, but things are heating up in the NHL. We had some wild stories that we really wanted to hit on for you guys. And, of course, the playoffs are coming, too. So, I mean, that's a whole different ball game for us, especially with Leaf fans. We're gearing up for hopefully a nice run. And, uh, yeah, there's just a lot of excitement and some stuff we, I really wanted to hammer on this week. Yeah, I mean, especially after our last episode, of course, the majority of the episode I felt was eaten up by the Tom Wilson New York Rangers saga. And little did we know, you know, less than 24 hours later, that saga would be exploded into a whole universe of sagas all matched in together. And I think I read something in the prep you would put in there that we could have a basically a HBO five-part docu-series based on the craziness that went on in New York after the fallout of the Tom Wilson incident, no suspension, and the Rangers backing themselves or perhaps proving something to someone out there uh, in that brawl fest game that came one day later. And we'll touch on that a little bit after. So, yeah, there's been lots of uh, chatter going around. A few coaches have already been... I guess effectively handed their walking papers, even though uh, a couple of them still have a few games left. Uh, so we'll touch on that as well. But the main reason for hammering one out uh, quickly this week, let's go is in preparation of our big episode coming up. It'll be next Tuesday. Uh, and you know, no, no slight to any of our previous guests, no disrespect to any of our esteemed guests that we've had here on the pucks and D podcast. But I do feel like this may be the biggest one of them all. Um, Lesko, we've been working for quite some time to nail something down with this individual, and we're really happy to announce it. Why don't you tell the listeners who's going to be joining us on episode 82? None other than the heart of Leafs Nation, Paul Hendrick. Paul Hendrick, that's right. The man has been, well, was recently retired from uh, Leafs Nation, but had been working in TV broadcasts before we were born, actually, getting (laughs) back to the mid-'80s. Um, kind of more affectionately known as Henny, but um, he was hosting a lot of the Leafs Nation stuff. You could hear him on the radio. You could see him uh, pregame, postgame, in between periods, in the arena for every game, on the road with the boys. Um, if there's somebody who's got stories to tell and has seen a lot of things, ups and downs, mostly downs, I right. guess during his tenure working for uh, the media and the Maple Leafs, it's Paul Hendricks. So, Please hit us up if you guys got any questions you want us to ask them. I know I've got a lot stocked up already. Like Coley said, we've been planning this one for a while, but we're really excited. And uh, what a way to tee off uh, a huge, massive playoffs for the Maple Leafs, but having a guy who 
has essentially lived, eat, slept, breathed Maple Leafs for the majority of his career. Yeah, and you know what? A lot of diehard Leaf fans feel the exact same way, only they were never actually you know, involved in the team, whether it be in your career or otherwise. Um, and, you know, you put it in a great way, Lesko. I mean, talk about, is there another guy out there that has, what's that cliche, has your, your finger on the pulse? Right? right, that's the old cliche. And if there's a person out there that's got their finger on the pulse of the Toronto Maple Leafs as an organization, from where they once were to where they went to where they are now, uh, and as you know, as we all know, there's been a lot of downtime uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs in terms of success, but not in terms of you know viewership, clicks, uh, reading articles, watching videos, and all that fun stuff. So yeah, Henny's going to be, I'm sure, full of stories. And as you mentioned, let's go for the listeners out there. Definitely, uh, you know. If you've got anything that you think would be a great question for Henny, we're not we're not looking for your help or anything, but we would just like to make this a interactive episode of sorts. So, you know, maybe if you've got a Twitter handle out there and you want to tweet at us, uh, Hendrix himself, uh, Paul has his own Twitter account. Henny does. And, uh, you know, so he, he's going to be uh, tied into it as well. And I, I do see on his Twitter account that he has frequented uh, a few podcasts in the past. So, you know, if you guys are out there and you guys are grinding, trying to do a podcast on your own, reach out to this guy, man. Like he, it's not like we got him because of our amazing status uh, as the Bucks and D <laughs> podcast, but you know, with guests like Henny, I think that that does help increase the status of our podcast. And I'm really looking forward to next Tuesday. It's going to be a great time. Yeah, for sure. And he is pretty active right now on Twitter and also with his own, a podcast of his own, uh, so you can follow him at Henny Tweets. Of course, you can follow me at Lasco Adam, at Coleman42 for my man on the other end of the mic, and at PuckPod for the show. Now, let's get into the, the fallout, I guess, of the New York Rangers here, because this is a massive story. Right. And I think not just because it's the New York Rangers and, and you could say the center of the American hockey universe, original six, storied franchise, but um, I, it's just... I, I, you, when you thought things couldn't get any worse for the Rangers, all of a sudden you got big bad James Dolan comes in. Now, if you're a New York Knicks fan, you know the name James Dolan well. He's been meddling in that franchise for years and have kept them pretty close, if not in the basement, the entire time. And all of a sudden, James Dolan steps in. Obviously, he was pissed off about that event where, where no one stood up and he doesn't seem to be happy with the direction of the team. Because literally the day after they released that statement complaining about George Farrow, uh, George Perros not suspending them and basically calling into question his integrity and his ability to do the job, they go out and they fire John Davidson, who I'm pretty sure has been involved with the Rangers our entire lives. And then they also turn around and fire uh, Gorton as well as the GM. And next thing you know, of course, uh, the next domino to fall, not surprisingly, this week was... Uh, the coach as well, um, Quinn, I forget his first David. name. David Quinn, exactly. Yeah, you know, what a crazy fallout, dude. And for the better part of hours, I want to say two, three hours, I was still reading tweets from, you know, not just fans of the game, but also checkmarked people, you know, verified journalists and TV people, radio and alike, still saying, I can't believe this. It's been five hours. Still can't believe that yeah. this actually happened. And yeah. it's a strange one, man, because in my honest opinion, as a hockey fan, I feel like I've got a pretty decent handle on on the league as a whole. Yes, I love the Leafs, but 
you know, I follow the league pretty religiously, and I felt that the Rangers were right where they should be, personally. I, yeah. I thought that they were right where they should be. And as a matter of fact, I might even put them a little bit ahead because I don't know yeah. in what world the owner, James Dolan, would have decided that this has got to be the year that we make a playoff. I mean, if anything, it would have been the exact opposite. Like, maybe in a normal world, we could make a playoff. You know, because we would be playing teams like the Sharks, teams like the Ducks, teams like the Kings. You see where I'm going with this? California was once a uh, a gauntlet to run, and now it's almost free points. You know, so they were in a tough division, maybe the toughest division of of all of them in, in this mm-hmm. siloed season of playing all the same teams. So, you know, I don't think anyone re- in their realistic mind should have expected them to do any better than they did. And I think it was... Um, I don't know. I think it's a little bit more of a old boys club thing that may be, you know, already in in um, in the works there for New York yeah. Rangers. Yeah, it's it's really hard for me to separate kind of what happened with Tom Wilson and and what happened immediately after because beyond, honestly, they had three games left when they torched these guys. So what was it that just struck you as all right? These guys got to go now. And the only thing I can possibly think of is that. Dolan wanted to put out that statement, and it was made clear and reported by Elliot Friedman that management did not put out that statement, that that was not written by upper management. It was coming straight from the top. So I have a good feeling that Dolan said, yeah, this is what I want you to put out there. And they went, fuck that. Like, that's stupid. Basically, we sound whiny, you know, like, and that, you know, old boys mentality of we're not going to rock the boat too hard here with the NHL and him coming out of left field and being like, fuck it, let's just throw this out there. Um, he doesn't care if he's writing the $250,000 fine, not a big deal to him, I guess. But as far as to address the on ice product, I agree with you. I feel like the Rangers took some steps this year. They took some positive steps. Um, you know, they cited that, Oh, the rebuild wasn't happening fast enough or as fast as they would have liked to, but man, look how lucky they have been in the last few years. They landed Artemi Panarin. And which was a bit of a surprise. They had the cap space, but they didn't have the appeal necessarily. They had just finished bottoming out and tearing that team to shreds. Right. So they land a Terry Panarin, and then they get Lafreniere, and then we got the emergence of Sisterkin as well as a goaltender. So I feel like this team is, I would say, light years ahead just based on that good fortune alone of where maybe they should be given how drastically they tore that team down a few seasons ago. Yeah, and I mean, don't forget to throw Adam Fox in there as well, right? Like, I mean, that that kind of just developed out of thin air. Another one of those uh, college graduates that you know, kind of in a roundabout way decided where he wanted to play, you know, yeah. and it was in New York. Uh, something that literally just floated into my brain as you were talking there. Like, do you think that there might be any chance at all that, management refused to pay a king's ransom for a player named Jack Eichel and ownership was like acquire this player right now and then they didn't and now the season went as it went and Lafreniere wasn't McDavid so he's kind of like oh I fucking told you so you're fired and we'll be going to get him in the off that's an interesting theory I, I think it, I think it's a it's a take, okay? I'm not saying, oh, this is what I think happened, but it literally just flew into my brain, and I'm live asking you because I think it's an interesting point. Like, at some point, I know that that has caused huge friction between ownership and management. 
specifically right. free agents. You know, instead we, of a big move, but yeah. the move that wasn't made. Yeah, necessarily. yeah. I want to do this. You don't want to do it, or or, or I don't want to do it, and you do. You know, so like either way, a, a lot of splits end up happening because, like you pointed out before, like a differing view on where the team is and where the team is going, like a different yeah. philosophical standpoint. And I'm wondering yeah. if maybe Jack Eichel could have been that differing philosophical standpoint, trade the first overall selection to Buffalo mm-hmm. for Eichel. Everyone's happy, right? I mean, I'm sure they would have had to pony up a little bit more because Eichel's a proven star. But, yeah. I mean, interesting. I, I think that, I don't know. I'd be interested to see if that and was the case. Honestly, there is some legitimacy to that theory in that it was, was reported that the New York Rangers did actually make a heavy pitch for Jack Eichel last summer. But the sticking point was apparently that first pick, which turned out to be first overall. So perhaps management gives himself a pat on the back. Shit, we almost lost the first overall. Right. But I mean, you got to figure the new team who that that they hired to bring in has a blank slate and every opportunity to package Alexei Lafreniere in a package to acquire Jack, the apparently very available Jack Eichel. <laughs> very and we'll available. get to that shortly. Yeah, we will. Um, I don't want to move on from Rangers yet. I, I don't mean to step on your toes if you had a, a, a specific segue, but I'm really excited to oh, talk to ahead. you. I'm really excited to talk to you about Chris Drury. Like I, I just, I, I looked into this a little further because I personally was a huge Chris Drury fan, um, you know, yes. as a young hockey player. I, I don't know why, to be completely honest with you. I just, I really liked Chris Drury all the way through his career. And I believe it was Buffalo Ranger or uh, Buffalo Started Avalanche Rangers. Yeah, Avs, yeah. right? Yeah. And in him and Danny Breer, you lit the Buffalo on fire for years. Yeah, like, I they should hate them. to watch. I should hate and they them. Were two, <laughs> and they were two undersized players, too, I feel like a little ahead of their time sort of thing like they never they never really made it too far but that those buffalo teams lit up the atlantic division in the early mid 2000s yeah so i i i wanted i want to continue the conversation about chris jury and then i i believe before we move on you kind of want i like what you have here in the prep you have it like basically bro basically broken down like the rangers collapse internally right like chronologically by date so i'll let you get to that in a moment but as it relates to chris jury why, like, can you tell me why or how Chris Drury is so highly regarded? I need to know why this guy is a clear-cut slam dunk, give him whatever he wants kind of thing. Yeah, and I mean, he became president and GM, and sometimes I think that some promotions have more to do with retention than necessarily suitability. And I'm not saying this is the case here with Chris Drury. I don't know enough about the guy and his, his smarts and his, his hockey knowledge and his management ability to say that. But it sounds like a lot of teams from around the NHL have been knocking on his door for a while. And it felt like, I would imagine it felt like to the Rangers organization that if we don't put this guy in the seat someone else is going to, and we're going to have no choice out of respect to eventually give him that opportunity elsewhere. If we're not giving it to him, um, it still doesn't make full sense on the dismissal of those other gentlemen, but we got to figure when it's coming from Dolan, we don't really know what to expect. So I don't want to say that Chris jury is somehow unqualified, but 
I don't know enough to say like, oh yeah, slam dunk, good hire. But from everything I've read and everything I've seen, this has been something in the works for a while and that he's been groomed or waiting in the wings for a, a big role. And of course he got one, president right. and GM of the Rangers. And the time is nigh, you know, basically. Um, okay, so let me give you a bit of a breakdown here. So Chris Drury retires as an NHL player in 2011. He's hired as director of player development in 2015. So four years elapsed. He's probably kicking around the Rangers organization as an alum. You know, he's, he's, he's developing some relationships. He gets in as player development director in 2015. He was named the GM of the AHL Hartford Wolfpack in 2016. So he's really climbing the ranks here quickly. And then he was named assistant. This is where it gets interesting, Lesko. He was named assistant GM in 2016, and that continued until 2019 when he extended his contract as an assistant. This was just before the teardown. Too, yeah. So 2016. as an assistant. Okay. So he, he extended the three-year contract in March of 2019 as an assistant, but then was promoted to associate GM in February of this year. So he had a three-year contract as a GM. It elapsed. He extended for another three. And then what you're saying transpired. They were like, shit, we got to do something with Chris. Otherwise, we're going to lose him. So instead of waiting for this final year of his assistant GM status to expire, we will promote him to associate GM. And we had a discussion with former Leaf and friend of the show, Luca Caputi, about this, remember? Because he's right. the associate coach. The and dis- I, the I difference sh- between <laughs> assistant and associate. Yeah, I yeah. straight up asked him what the difference is. And, of course, this could be obviously different, NHL level versus junior, uh, management position versus coach. But yeah. from what I recalled, and I actually played this back as well uh, today, what I recalled from that conversation was that he has a little bit more say. Right. In, right? So the assistant coach handles you know the power play but the associate coach might actually have more input on line combinations or you know overall team strategy or practice or whatever so he was promoted to associate gm in february of 2021 and then of course just a few short months later this all happened so yeah it looked like he was on a career or on a collision course with eventually being the guy but I, I just can't get over this, like you said, the dismissal of the other guys, John Davidson and Jeff Gordon. I, I can't get behind that based on what has transpired. And furthermore, if this is all a philosophical difference of opinion, then how the hell was Chris Drury the assistant GM for two years and then the associate GM for three months with a philosophical difference of opinion. Right. And then the, right. the Tom Wilson thing happens, the statement is released, and these guys are fired five minutes before the season is over. Yeah. It just, it's all crazy, and I just, I really hope and pray that we can find out exactly what happened here. Exactly. Yeah. I need to know it. Yeah, it's, it's going to be hard to find out as most stories. It's like someday somebody might write a book, but it's, you know, not really in the... Uh, I guess in the short term that we're going to get an answer on what happened here. Um, it just happened so fast. And it's like, 
you know, as I mentioned earlier, in terms of the on-ice product, like, I feel like the Rangers were coming along and got, you know, not only did they get lucky, but they pulled up Panarin. And, you know, as you mentioned, as far as where they performed this year, they came in fifth in a very tough division, okay? Pittsburgh, you know, blew the doors off in the latter half of the year, ends up taking the division, followed by Washington, followed by Boston, followed by New York Islanders. That was predictable. We knew that was happening. And then the Rangers... Uh, end up missing by 11 points. Okay, that's significant. But they're still ahead of Philly. They're ahead of New Jersey. They're ahead of Buffalo. So, like, they made positive steps. They're not basement dwellers anymore. They, you know, they made progress. They were uh, five games above 500 here. Like, yeah, they're, they're icing a competitive about... team, man. C- correct. Like, it's not as if they, they were getting dummied every night. And, and this is like, this isn't working. We've got to blow it up. So, it's very clear that what... Gordon and Davidson were doing was working. They were making progress in the right direction. But then if you get impatient ownership, man, and they step in, that's when you might have issues. And perhaps we've seen that elsewhere in other sports. If you want to look at the New York Knicks, for example, or if you want to look just up the highway and go up to Buffalo. Mm. But before we go to Buffalo, I will give you that breakdown. Um, And I will credit Emily Kaplan. Uh, If you check out her article, on ESPN.com, she did a really good job of uh, encompassing the entire story of the New York Rangers debacle of a season, really, like in terms of drama and, and intrigue. Uh, again, like I said, the Onyx product wasn't as much of a concern of kind of what has ha- has transpired for them. No, and it, it even it, started before the season even kicked off, right? Like, wasn't there off-season garbage going on, like during during the presidential election (laughs) right well i think they told uh yeah i think they told uh anthony d'angelo to park it a couple of times or lay off the social media so that's kind of how it started he gets kicked off the team after an altercation and uh and obviously i think that had you know him him getting waived wasn't just that altercation it had a lot to do with the off-ice bullshit over the years that he put the team through oh mixing a little drink over there you got it, son. What you, you got it. What do you What do you got mixing today? It's a Just, gorgeous uh, day out there. I, I know. Quiet, quiet whiskey here. Like, okay. I I had beers, but they weren't in the fridge, so I was like, you know, I got a little bit of whiskey here. I treat myself. I've been working pretty hard these last couple of days. So I feel like I know the answer to this question, but for our un- uneducated listeners, uh, what's a quiet whiskey? Considering I just watched you do the old ketchup trick where you bang the bottle on the end, <laughs> I think you got it all, chum. Because it's it's it was the bottom of the bottle. I want to make sure I got it all. Respect, okay. right? Okay. A quiet whiskey is like a weekday whiskey where it's like, it's like a, a drink you get in a bar, like a, a one-ounce shot. You should have called it a Wednesday whiskey. Yeah, because it is Wednesday and that would be a it's a hump day and, you know, it's a shot, maybe a shot and a quarter, whatever. Yeah. All right. Back quickly uh, for me to summarize the Rangers timeline. The next thing that happens is Panarin's got to take a leave of absence because of what essentially Boyd brought down to a political backlash over his comments and a phony allegation story in Russia. Yeah, to protect his family from Putin. Yeah, exactly. The next thing we have is the Tom Wilson incident where no one responds on ice. They decide that they're going to respond in the media by calling out George Peros. And then less than 24 hours later, they fire the GM and they fire the president. And then what do we get a week later? We get the firing of the coach, which at that point, I guess, was expected. But what? where are we going from here? Because 
I, you know what the Rangers kind of remind me of right now? And if, if it is in direct response to that Wilson instance and the lack of what happened on the ice in terms of a response. Now, I know they responded. Those guys stepped up. They went out and fought. A lot of those guys who fought weren't fighters. They didn't have to do it. They did it. And I was surprised. I haven't seen a brawl like that in years. So what are they right now, though? Are they the Leafs from a few years ago? All talent, no toughness? Because that's kind of the impression I get right now, that maybe they went – maybe if there was one critique to make of the current makeup of that team is that they went heavy on the talent and skill and speed and neglected the character and toughness and tangibles aspects. Yeah, I find I think that's a difficult question to answer given the fact that, you know, as much as I proclaim to follow the league religiously, I, I can't watch every game of every series of every whatever. And, you know, that's that's a that's a really difficult and different, I should say. It's a very different division than what than what we're seeing here up in the north, you know, and, and if there is a, a season of hockey where, you know, I'm not necessarily watching as many games as I usually would. It is this season because, oh, you know, Boston and Washington are playing for the 14th time. <laughs> yeah. Can we say that the scheduling is terrible, too, in terms of like uh, if you're stagger? a guy? Yeah. Oh, don't even like, get me going. What, we about have the stagger? 15 games the other day on one night. Like if you're a better or you're you're an avid watcher or a fantasy, fantasy, surfer, right? Yeah. yeah. If you're an ice surfer kind of guy, then, yeah, it's been. And fantasy, can I just interject quickly, like, quick sidebar on fantasy? This season made me hate fucking fantasy. It made me hate it. The scheduling, the COVID, which I know that's beyond anyone's control, but right. the COVID postponement. Last week of the season, I'm trying to make up ground. I got Vegas taking a week off. I got three guys on Vegas. You know? Like, what am I, dropping Mark Stone in the last week of the season? Hey, what man, do I do there, right? Sometimes, sometimes you got to bite the bullet. I, personally, yeah. I can't say much. I, I have to say the exact opposite because I went wire to wire in my keeper pool. I was unstoppable. I won the regular season by 25 points. And yeah. then I uh, had an unbelievable comeback in the semifinals after a bye. I, I thought it was, it was Tuesday, and I was like, I'm fucking getting owned. And uh, I pulled off a comeback. And then I pulled off a really tight finals victory over a big, big fan of the Pucks and D podcast. Shout out to Aaron Pipes, my buddy. Uh, I beat him. And it came right down to the final period. It was like 12.26 in the morning on, on, on Saturday evening, Sunday morning. Because as we know in Yahoo Fantasy, uh, it ended Saturday. And we were, uh, we were gaming. We were playing some Warzone together. And the boys were playing. And they were like, come on, Coley play with us. And I was like, no, I'm watching. I'm watching. Cause I, I needed dry to score a couple goals to solidify the victory. And he needed uh Tomas hurdle to score a couple goals. And I think he got one and I was losing it. He needed two more to beat me. And then dry went back to back power play goals and sealed the deal. And then I jumped on and started shooting faces. So it was a great fantasy season for me. You're right, though. It was very frustrating. It was frustrating. I, I yeah. hope it never has to happen again. I'm already looking forward to, you know, the following yeah. season and, and, yeah, moving forward. But, yeah, champion maybe right I, here, bud. Maybe I got the wrong strategy. Maybe I just got to offer you, like, a 50% cut of the winnings so you can manage my team for me. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on what the winnings are. Like, this one keeper pool that I'm in, like, it consumes my life. Like, by me winning yeah. the regular season and the fantasy, like, and the uh, playoffs – I won six hundred dollars cash, 
and uh, actually it was $650 cash because last place has to pay first place 50 bucks uh, for tanking, even if they didn't do it on purpose. Whatever. It avoids the tank rule. Uh, yeah, right. so I won 600 bucks and then I won that sick-ass trophy. It's kind of like a Stanley Cup trophy little thing. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the, it consumes my life because there's a lot of cash to be won there. Yeah, there's a lot of cash online of mine, but I just – the the frustration made me tune out at times and just the last-minute scratches and injuries and postponements was just a – it just – it was a hard – it was hard for the non-hardcores, I guess, guys like you. How did we even um, get there? Oh, we were bitching about staggering. Dude, I bitch about the yeah. stagger on Twitter every night that I can. I mean, you got you got yeah. 11 games going on, and every single one of them is currently ongoing, but zero players are skating around shooting pucks. Yeah. How can that be? So, okay, so there's two things I wanted to mention here before we move on to the Rangers, um, just to bring it all back here. Um that game had to have been one of the most viewed games of the season, right? Everyone had to watch it. Everyone had to watch it. And all those people are crying about Tom Wilson this and violence that and fights in hockey and look what you did, NHL, and blah, blah, blah. I didn't hear a lot of people saying they didn't enjoy watching it. And if you didn't <laughs> enjoy watching it, okay, that's fine. That's good for you. But this is hockey, and this is what happens. And I understand we're moving. Like the game's changing. We've acknowledged it on the show thousands of times. Fighting is dying. So maybe those games are more of a shock to the system than they would have been 10, 20 years ago. Right. But, you know, I enjoyed it. And the players didn't have to do that. The players could have said, eh, I ain't fighting. I ain't going to fight Tom Wilson. I ain't going to do this, do that. It was entertainment. It was hockey. At the end of the day, it was wrapped up and taken care of. And I have very little problem with it. And I might be old school, and I might be in the minority now. I don't know. Um, it's just I, I really don't have time for the bleeding hearts out there and the pinkos, as Don Cherry used to call them, about uh, <laughs> just about the bitching about about that kind of stuff. And, and we all knew it was going to happen, whether he was suspended or not. And I don't agree with all those takes, too, for, I'll add in. Oh, if they were suspended, Tom Wilson, this never would have happened. Bullshit. Well, there would have been happen. one. there would have been one less fight. One less fight. You know why? Because... The media, the New York scribes, the the team, clearly internally, there was some accountability call-outs going on there. Fans, everyone was pissed that there was no response. Oh, man, and they were getting called... The media's not going to do it. Yeah, they were getting called soft. They were getting called pussies. Like, it was just... They were getting rained down upon them with chirps of how they can't handle themselves and they can't defend themselves. So, I mean... Yeah, like I, I don't, I'm not convinced that there was one item on the agenda for for yeah. all those brawls. You know, I think it was, I think there was several items on the agenda, and one of them was probably let's let's show George Peros and the NHL that if they're not going to protect Artemi Panarin and other league stars, then we'll do it for us, or or we'll we'll show them, you know, or and then another part of it was probably. Oh my God! Our own fans are dragging us through the mud, calling us soft. Well, let's show them that we're not soft. You know what I mean? So I, I think it was a lot more than just retribution. I don't think it was yes. solely retribution. I think they willingly and knowingly, uh, you know, put put the NHL on blast, and you know, maybe yeah. put the Department of Player Safety on blast, and saying if you're not going to do jack shit 
then this is what you're going to have to deal yeah. with. This is a mockery of the game. Right. But then at the same time, the NHL is counting their dollar bills all the way to the bank because right. I had to watch the game during dinner. And Kirsty was like, what are we doing? And I was like, I have to watch this game. You should too. And I yeah. put it on the computer and I, I flipped it around and we no sooner sat down the anthem was going on. I said, babe, you're going to want to watch. I bet you there's going to be fights immediately. We looked at the screen, fights immediately. <laughs> One yeah. second in, and then another fight, and then another fight. Like I think it went on a little bit too much, personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but whatever. Who am I to, who am I to say yeah. it was too much? Well, hey, it goes to show you like how, how passionately the Rangers players felt about we got to not only do something about this, but we got to stand up for ourselves, and it means something for them as a team to do that. Um, you know, call it right, call it wrong, call it whatever you want. But the reality is, is that this is the way the game of hockey has operated forever. And again, it goes back to what I said last episode and that we're in this weird gap period right now where player safety is not made up for the lack of policing and enforcement that has declined in the game. And until that happens, the players are going to have to continue to step up and find ways to address the shortcomings of the Department of player safety and i say that in fucking air quotes because it's the dumbest name ever because it's it's discipline and that's all it is it's discipline it's not player safety okay so let's 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 eliminate that change the name so that somehow the fairweather fan doesn't think that this this department's in charge of keeping people safe because it isn't (laughs) i always wonder too like and it was brought up on a couple of different programs and obviously as you know let's go and as as all the listeners know i'm sure they're all the same i consume a lot you know whether it's on tsn overdrive or sirius xm where i like to listen as well i do consume a lot and it was brought up on several different occasions from several different media members and i thought it was a great point like why does it have to be a former player you know running the department of player safety why does it have to be anything outside of the commissioner's office itself like if the commissioner's office wants to um you know extend an olive branch to a person or persons for their input great but why do you have to totally excuse yourself and your office from Things such as league suspensions, which for the other major sports, any sort of fine or suspension is handed down by the commissioner. Uh, Now, if there's behind the scenes interactions and consultations, so be it. But ultimately, it's, you know, this guy who does it. It's Silver that does it or it's Stern that does it. You know, it's Goodell. It's not. They wear they wear it. George Perros. This this this. Yeah. And why, like, why is it one guy? Like, why is it a former enforcer, one guy? Like, why, why not have a team and why not have, you know, a referee on the team? Like bring Kerry Frazier in and say, okay, listen, when I was refing and we were trying to, we were doing our best to try and keep players safe and get rid of headshots. Cause as you know, let's go through the nineties and early thousands. The biggest problem in the NHL was the blind side hit. And if you yeah. remember coming around the, the time where they implemented the hook and the hold, right, just after the lockout, a lot of that was to try and slow the game down a little bit and reduce high-speed collisions. A lot of them were blindside hits, and we saw Sidney Crosby have a career-risking injury with the blindside hit from David Steckel at the Winter Classic. Yeah. Those hits are, for the large part, gone. And now yeah. it's more so the head targets 
into the boards. So we've got we've managed to move away from the blind side hit. Now we're trying to move away from from the high hit. I think that's going to be a lot more difficult to weed out of the game. But we have seen the league and the officials be successful in doing what they want to do. And if what they want to do is eliminate headshots, they'll get there. But I yeah, find it strange that they have to have one guy, one former enforcer, make all the decisions. I, I think it's strange. It should evolve. Yeah. Oh, and it's not an accurate portrayal of what actually goes on there. Because what something that really annoyed me was all the takes about, oh, George Perros, this former goon. Oh, of course he doesn't care about uh, protecting stars and he likes fighting and violence, blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's this the worst take ever. Princeton. This guy went to Princeton, has an economics degree. He's not stupid, okay? He knows why he was hired. And let's be honest here. Who does he, where does, and look at the organizational structure of the NHL. George Peros reports directly to whom? Colin Campbell, who has been one way or another involved with uh, hockey operations for the NHL for like 20 years, mm -hmm. okay? He had been responsible for suspensions, had stepped down when Shanny took over. Shanny tried to, to go a little activist and start cleaning up the game. And what did they do to Shanny? They shut his ass down and reined him in. And who was his boss then? Colin Campbell. Who is George Perros' boss right now? Colin Campbell. So it's really unfair for, for George Perros as a figurehead to take the heat for this because there's a team of people involved and there's one guy who signs off on everything George Perros does, and that's Colin Campbell. So let's not pretend that George Harris is just a goon there who's there to protect goons and, and get, stick it to the superstars because, like, that's a stupid take. It's an idiotic take, and it just, it just goes to show how little people know before they go shooting their fucking mouths off online because if it was as simple as, oh, yeah, we'll fire George, even the Rangers fell for it. It's like the Rangers compiled a bunch of tweets from their fans and made a fucking statement out of it, you know? Dude, it's so true. And, uh, you know, it, it, it really – oh, man, you're, you're hitting the nail right on the head there. And it, it goes even further than, you know, this one incident. But it's just like you said, people have no clue before they rush to make their opinion or post their, their take online. And so many times I, I read – and you, I've bitched to you about this in the past – like how everyone just blames Gary Bettman for everything, right. you know, but like nothing that has ever happened. That's good in the league. He doesn't deserve any credit for anything good. That's happened in the league, yeah. including the billions and billions of dollars that, that they've grown since he's been there. But anytime anything bad happens at all, Oh, it's Gary Bettman. Oh, it's Gary yeah. Bettman's fault. So like you said, now it's George Peros. So, you know, George Peros is the only guy to blame here. Like, it's not like he is sitting at home watching the game and goes on Twitter and sees that there's a questionable hit and he pulls up the video and looks at it from a few different angles and then puts out a statement the next day. Like, that's not yeah. how it works. I mean, I'm sure there's more to that. And that's where I'm oh, getting absolutely. at. I'd like to know a little bit more about the intricate workings of a suspension and do they have a, a team like who do they consult with I, I i am very interested to know more about that i think it's shrouded in secrecy yeah there's not a lot of explanation and obviously the lack of an explanation on this the suspension or not suspension for tom wilson is a factor in the fans anger but i mean i thought paul stewart he, he put out a interesting uh thread of tweets he's a former official and uh, nhl player actually which i didn't know that I recall him being an official, but he pointed out that, you know, again, back to my point about George Farrow's being a figurehead. It's like if you hated McDonald's fries and you got pissed at Ronald McDonald, 
right? Like, let's be honest here. He's bound by the rule book. And what, according to the rules, what Tom Wilson did was fucking roughing. How many times we see guys get suspended for roughing? Very fucking rarely. Right. Yes, it was violent. Yes, it was unnecessary. Yes, it was, you know, uh, putting a star in danger. But they are bound by the rules. And when you're bound by the rules, there's only so much we can do. We saw what happened when Shani tried to go activist and clean up the game. And obviously, when Perils was brought on board, his scope was narrow. And so, based on my understanding of how the NHL operates, it was unsurprising result for the lack of suspension in that case. So, I'll digress. We spent a ton of time on this this episode, a lot of time on it last episode. I will sum it up. That crazy fight-filled game did have one positive story that if it wasn't that particular game with that amount of fights, might have got more play, is TJ Oshie. Mm. TJ Oshie lost his father, and he goes out and pots a hat trick. That's a beautiful moment. Every teammate lined up to hug him after the game, almost like he was the goalie in that situation. Yeah. Um, just real inspirational shit right there. And, and TJ Oshie, you know, not a superstar in the league, but talk about a guy who's managed to rise to the occasion in big moments and score big goals, whether it's the Olympics, the playoffs, uh, a night like that. That's really cool. So if there's one positive takeaway from what otherwise has been called a mockery of the game the other day, um, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, such a clutch player, like you mentioned. I mean, he, he's, he's got the clutch gene, if that's a real thing. He's proving yeah. it on a daily basis. Um, you know, and his father, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, pretty young at 56, I want to say. Um, or no, I think maybe that's when he was diagnosed uh, with dementia. You'll have to forgive me. I don't want to be putting out bad information. But either way, it was a, it was a young age um, for, you know, that, um, you know, for, his, for him to basically lose his health, right? Starting yeah. with the mind. And when he won the cup... Uh, with the Caps in 2018 or whatever it was, uh, you know, it was a big deal. Like, it was a really, really big deal. Such a yeah. huge moment for him to share that with his father. And he was, you know, not doing so great even at that time. But they were able to share the championship together, which was, yeah. you know, on a heart level, the greatest thing ever. Yeah, and, I love those stories, those yeah. moments. And uh, just, just to clarify and to, to save you there, so he was uh, diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2012 and uh, died uh, at 56. Oh, so, so did, okay, yeah, okay. Right. So, yeah, so he did pass away at 56. So that means he was diagnosed, you know, at a really young age. Like, he's in his 40s and, and getting dementia. Like, that's a really – that's a tragic way. I think that's a tragic yeah. way to go, man. And, uh, you know, I, I geez, you know, I wish him all the best. And, and to see him come back like that – and pot that hat trick, man, like it really has to make you think about some, you know, external forces at work yeah. because it's not the first time that that kind of thing has happened in sports. And I understand that you can attribute a lot of that to co pure coincidence. And that's fine. Like if you don't have any statistical data to represent, then fine. Uh, or if you just want to call it. Uh, motivation, then fine. I yeah. guess I'm with you there too. But I mean, sometimes these things go about their own ways and it really does have to make you wonder in a, in a good way. Yeah. yeah. And on a personal level, like I am not a big spiritual guy or anything, but I certainly have uh, uh, some time for fate, quote unquote fate. And uh, so I feel like there's uh, something at play there 
uh, external forces or whatever you want to call it, or just, you know, solely the ability to harness your emotions and rise to the occasion. And uh, just what, what a, you know, hats off to TJ Oshie, obviously hat trick. Um, and, one. you know, all the best to him and his family and his friends uh, moving on from the tragic loss of his father. Let's take it up the highway from New York. Let's go to Buffalo. Oh, boy. Where Jack Eichel absolutely set the hockey world on fire. Now, <laughs> I'll preface this by saying two things. One, we're not overly surprised. I feel like the Jack Eichel trade rumors have been going on for a few years just in the context of man this team just keeps getting worse instead of better going in the wrong direction i mean they took a lot of positive off-season moves this year and did nothing with them so i'll start by reading the quotes and then and then we can comment here so the first one that's notable is he said he was a bit upset about the way that things have been handled since i've been hurt uh, to put that in the context, apparently he has an issue with a disc in his spine, so a fairly significant, serious injury. He says, there's been a bit of disconnect from the team and myself. The most important thing is trying to get healthy and figure out a way to be available to play hockey next year, wherever that might be. Hmm. It's that last part that really obviously got us lit up and talking about trades and where he's going. But it sounds like that this dispute with the team is much more than just a, I'm not happy with my situation. It sounds like this has gotten personal when we get involved with injuries and treatments. So uh, according to Elliot Friedman, the story goes a little deeper. Uh, he wants to apparently get this surgery and sought second opinions on a surgery that essentially replaces the disc with an artificial one in your spine. Uh, where the consensus surgery forever was to uh, fuse, I guess, the, the, um, the discs together um, so that they're interdependent. Um, I'm not a medical doctor. I have no idea. Um, Elliot did reference, though, that uh, this newly approved treatment surgery was given to a UFC fighter who recently returned and fought three times. So far, successfully, um, seems to be holding up okay. Um, the exit interview also was very sour. So I would assume that's a combination of how he was treated with regards to the injury and also with the debacle of the season they had. So I guess in terms of prediction, is Jack Eichel, Jack Eichel suiting up for the Buffalo Sabres come next season? Oh, God, no. There's no chance. I mean, they're, they're, I guess the only – here's what I thought was interesting, and I think that this is a viable option here. Jack Eichel – has surgery in the off season and his rehab is scheduled for him to miss the entire year. LTIR misses the entire year. He is a Buffalo Sabre contractually speaking, but doesn't play a whole game all season. And then following that season, his no move clause kicks in, which would allow him the opportunity to, not only f formally request a trade, but dictate where he where he right. ends up. Because it also has been reported, and it's understood, that Jack Eichel is not interested in being part of another rebuild. So I'm not quite sure how many teams that would pony up and pay for him in terms of assets, draft picks, and cap room. Okay? Like, once you start adding all those things out, dude, uh, adding all those things together, dude, you're running out of suitors really quickly. Yeah. So yeah. 
it might there might only be a handful of of suitors op available, and I don't know if like it, as it stands right now, if he demands a trade, they could trade him wherever because he's got no he's got a no move clause. But this injury thing, while he had uh, bad relationships with the team, he he headbutted with the team trying to figure out a way to get past this injury. The injury might end up working in his favor if what I just said ends up happening where right. he has off-season surgery. Yeah, and then just basically misses the entire year because this is a very, like, scientifically and medically speaking, this is a new procedure. So that would be like trying to convince someone 35 years ago to get laser eye surgery. Yeah. Like, and it, it's great and all, but we don't really know anything about the long-term effects. So good yeah. luck when you're done, you know? Now, in this case, we have seen some athletes come back, but we don't know if that's going to deteriorate or, you know, what the case may be. So it's a risky situation there. And if time continues to elapse and there's no resolution, then I I'm seeing Jack Eichel just not play hockey next year. And I think that's worst-case scenario for everyone. But for Jack Eichel's future as a hockey player, and having success and maybe making the playoffs for once, it might work out in his favor. Yeah, you got to figure that Jack Eichel right now is most interested in what is best for him in his long-term career, whereas the Buffalo Sabres are short-sighted and looking at, all right, how can we get back at her next year? Right. Because um, you got to figure the Buffalo Sabres are looking to take the same approach they've taken the last few years. Throw some plugs in there, throw some Band-Aids, try and get a winger for Eichel and move forward. But... Eichel's sitting here saying, like, I know we're not going to be good next year. I don't care if I can play next year, if, if I'm going to need a year to recover, six months or whatever. Whereas the Sabres are like, we need you day one. We need mm -hmm. you to go on day one. So you rest up. Um, you come ready to go. So, yeah, I think there, there could be some credibility to that idea of him saying, like, yeah, if I come back, then the team could just trade me to Arizona or whatever if they want to. But if I... You know, take the time, take this surgery, and really like putting that aside. I, I mean, health comes first, and and if you're you know a young superstar in this league, uh, you know, an injury like that can derail your entire career, and it already has somewhat derailed, you know, his trajectory or his year or his output. So I, I don't blame Eichel for putting himself first, and obviously can't blame him for potentially wanting a, a change of scenery or a new situation. Like you said, how many suitors are they actually going to have? Teams that are willing to pony up and have the assets? It remains to be seen. But Did man, you see the odds? I, if I'm if I'm the New York Rangers, I am ponying up whatever they want. Yeah, so, well, good. Go ahead. What, what are the betting odds? I right was now? just going to say good good little segue there because the Rangers are uh, heavy favorites, heavy favorites to land Jack Eichel at plus two fifty. So they're five to two odds. Uh, the Leafs are on the list. Would wow. you would you believe it? The Leafs are on the list at plus thirty three hundred. So thirty three to one. Will they take Dermot Bracco in a second? <laughs> are, are we interested in uh, an American for an American uh, kind of swap here? We'll give you Jack Campbell. Ah, you thought I was going to say Austin Matthews, didn't you? Uh, no, so the Rangers lead in odds. The LA Kings uh, are close. Actually, they're, they are close seconds. Uh, Rangers aren't running away with it, but they are heavy favorites. LA Kings at uh, plus 300. Arizona Coyotes at plus 400. And then Boston Bruins uh, round up the round out the top four. Okay. 
at plus 500. I, I find it difficult to imagine how the Bruins would, would make that work. I mean, Eichel, I believe, is contracted for another, what, five years? You'll have to yeah. correct me on that. I'm not sure. Um, but, I mean, he's contracted, and I don't, don't know exactly what he's making, but it can't be cheap money, uh, you know? So I, I just I find it difficult for very many fits to be there, uh, but I think it would be amazing to see I, this player play under the shining lights of Madison Square Garden. Yeah, absolutely. And if I'm the Boston Bruins, too, I'm finding a way to try and make that work. I imagine they'll certainly make a pitch because Boston seems to be on the tail end of the, I don't know, we call it the, the, the modern golden era of the Bruins where they've been very competitive and, and you know, cup Perennial contenders, contenders argue yeah. for over a decade now. Um, if they want to stay relevant, that would be a good way for them to do it is to find a way to land him. If I'm going off the board, though, if I may, I Please do. would like to throw down uh, a bit on the Minnesota Wild Ooh. going wild for Jack Eichel because who else would look pretty sitting there beside the Kirill, the new NHL thrill, Kaprizov, but centered by Jack Eichel? Because all of a sudden we have Minnesota being a competitive playoff team who not only we knew they'd be better this year but has uh, incredibly exceeded expectations as far as i'm concerned with their performance this year and they're exciting Uh, now i mean they're exciting to watch i mean it's amazing how a couple of guys can and really change your team around and i know kaprizov was good but given the i would say lack of supporting cast in minnesota but he's taken that team from like it just they've really done a good job and all credit goes i would say to bill garen in in really transforming that team in such a short period of time it's true I man they're must watch tv right now on this very podcast we almost felt sorry for bill garen that he was taking over this right. this disaster and i i shouldn't say disaster because at that time if i recall correctly and you can play the tape if you want but I think we were kind of saying, like, look, what are the wild? What in the what world are they? Are they? Like, was, and, 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 and how does Bill Guerin come in and go, oh, I know what we're going to be, yeah. you know? And, it was and the, Sorry, go it ahead. It was the perennial, uh, perennial mediocre team. Right, yeah. Like, I always, I always referred them to, I said, they, they're the Columbus of, of the West. You know, they're, they're just there. Like, are they great? Or I'm not quite sure. It remains to be seen. But, of course, like you said, Kirill, the thrill, Kaprizov, I mean, absolutely, almost single-handedly turning that team into an exciting product on the ice. You throw in the, I I don't want to say resurgence, but you throw in the fantastic play of Kevin Fiala. I mean, those Mm -hmm. guys are playing high speed, high skill. That's not necessarily something that we've seen from the Minnesota Wild. So, yeah, as much as you're saying off the board for your pick, I, I like it. I think that would be yeah. I think that'd be really cool, man, to see that happen. And Minnesota, it, it's a hockey state, okay? It's, it, yeah. like, it's time for the Minnesota Wild to actually be relevant in the conversation of, man, did you see the Wild game last night? Yeah. Like, that's, what, I, that's yeah. what you should be saying. It's really cool to see all the chatter around that team, and I know – you know, every GM's got a meticulous plan, but when a guy like Jack Eichel becomes available, plans change. You got to fucking find a way to give your best 
put your best foot forward and try and get this guy in your room. It is going to be an interesting situation to navigate though, just quickly before we head to our, hopefully our last topic as we approach our hour mark on our short pod. Uh, But it is going to be an interesting one to navigate as far as the injury is concerned. I mean, if, if the trade looked like a first, a second, a prospect and a roster player, what pieces are now being tossed out the window because we're not sure what we're getting. We're buying damaged goods. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one with the injury situation. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of deep analysis and uh, probably backroom chatter with agents and uh, doctors. Doctors, Yeah, for sure. So that'll be a messy one to navigate. And of course, I think whoever buy gets buyer beware with it coming off an injury like that, you're really betting on the upside for sure. So let's take it over to the Minnesota Wild of the East, the Columbus Blue Jackets, who have become, they've gone from a kind of a thrilling, all-in, exciting team. I mean, we called it, though. Uh, Yarmo took a ton of risk, and each one of those risks has bit him in the ass and walked out to another team in free agency. But the big news here right now in Columbus is they are letting Torts walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, after he, well... Not on the record, but I have to assume he scared a lot of those players away, uh, and namely Dubois at the end of it. Um, and we'll get into his trading um, counterpart in line A shortly. But <laughs> so the story with Tortorella is that his contract will not be renewed. Uh, awfully nice of them to let him leave with dignity, I guess, than firing him. I guess what's the point to let him finish the year? And if they weren't going to fire him when Dubois wanted out, then then I guess they were going to let him finish the year. I mean, why bother at that point? I do find it really funny, just a quick point here, that uh, our society has evolved, if you want to use that word, um, to a point now where my phone doesn't say the Columbus Blue Jackets have fired head coach John Tortorella. Because for the majority of my lifetime, that's what it said. Yeah. Adam Lesko has been fired by his job. Okay? That's the that's the headline. But now all of a sudden we've moved into a scenario where it's like, oh well let's just do we have to fire him? Let's just, we'll just let's, let him let's, let's just the contract mu- mutually part ways. We'll just mutually mm-hmm. part ways. You know? Like, come on. Fucking guy was fired, okay? Like now I get it in this oh. instance, like you said, he's not being renewed. So yes, right. okay. I guess you can use it in this, you know, in a situation firing without like this. Firing. Yeah, firing without yeah. firing, an easy fire. Yeah. It's it's interesting because you know I I do believe that a lot of the success Columbus had when they upset Tampa, when they made a couple deep runs, Yarmo and Torts deserve a ton of credit. They took risks. Um, you know, Torts, whether you like them or you hate them, and I personally love them. But even from a player standpoint, you like him or hate him, the guy gets results. And that can't be denied. We've seen it year and year again. So I understand why the attachment to a coach like that. And they got him at a time, I think, when not many teams would take him. Right. So, you know, I think he's rebuilt his reputation a little bit. But at the same time, we saw players head from the hills, not just free agents, but of course, Pierre-Luc Dubois, who was supposed to be the centerpiece of the future of that hockey team heading for the hills because of Tortorella. So you got to figure they, they bring in a, a long-term kind of stable coach. Like I don't see them going and hiring Babcock. That's for sure. Um, but where I guess more interestingly here is not what Columbus does from here, 
But where does Torts go? Well, I you wouldn't you love to see him back with the Rangers? I you know I would, and I'm not. I don't even Brooksy. know why. Maybe just just for stories, and yeah. So Larry Brooks <laughs> has to deal with Torts again. Larry Brooks not allowed into any of the press conferences. Yeah, that's um, what I'm saying, Brooksy. Yeah. Why don't you just fuck off then? <laughs> well, you get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so, you know, what I wanted to say quickly too was, is this mutual parting of the ways not just any, is it anything more than further evidence that John Tortorella is absolutely a window coach? Meaning, you know, when you hire him, you might as well jot down on a piece of paper that, you know, five years to this date, we're not going to want you anymore. Right. Now, I like understand that most coaches, well, all coaches are hired to be fired. That's the cliche. We're hired yeah. to be fired, and we know that. We talked about this last week about Sheldon Keefe, looking at all the team photos on the wall. Or a while ago, we talked about it. Whatever. Looking at all the photos on the wall and seeing the coaches turn over. You know, every three, four, five years, it's a new guy. Well, that's going to be me, and I've already been here for a year and a half. You know, I better win. So with Tortorella, I feel like we've talked about that in the past, and I think this is just more evidence that he is, in fact, a window coach. You bring him in, you hope for the best, but you are absolutely going to run your patience thin as a wire once the you know once the dust settles. Hopefully you've won a championship, and that's great. In their case, they didn't win one. The wire is thin. It's time to move on. Yeah, they absolutely made a gamble, and uh, not just on torts, but on a lot of the personnel moves that they made in terms of the players. Uh, it didn't quite work out, but I gotta you know I gotta give Yarmo some some kudos anyway for swinging for the fences. Um, obviously, we talked about them a lot, and hey, they've given us a lot of content to talk about. Keeping it in Columbus, though, there were a few interesting quotes that surfaced from an interview uh, that Patrick Laine gave to a Finnish publication. Um, I know he had a couple of notable quotes throughout the year where he appeared to be not just having a bad time in Winnipeg, but shortly thereafter having a bad time playing on the fourth line for Torts in Columbus. Um, yeah, you figure if there's a guy that maybe uh, some tough love can straighten out. I don't believe Line is that player because mm -mm. it seems the negativity has just bred more negativity. Now, there was a few quotes throughout this year where he seemed quite unhappy. Um, I won't get into those specifically, but there were some ones that were uh, coming out today that said, you won't see me at the Worlds because of this season. I can't even stand the game of hockey. That's bold. Next quote that was very interesting was it was an absolutely miserable experience team-wise and personally only good thing is that the season is over everything that could have gone wrong went wrong now you had some counter reporting to that as well to add am i right yeah well it was actually just earlier this afternoon just before i pulled in after work here i was listening to the boys on sirius uh xm nhl radio and they had mentioned that that was a lost in translation incident where he absolutely did not say that he hates hockey or doesn't like right. hockey. It was di not directly quoted, but it was reported by uh, someone who is fluent in Finnish and read the report or was there or whatever. I didn't hear the exact particulars, but basically they were pouring cold water on Right. On, on on I hate hockey and so and that's why and that's why I'm not going to the worlds because I hate hockey <laughs> like because right. that's so kind of what bad. that's what made the rounds and actually I did some digging on Twitter 
uh, just before we started the pod here. And I, I guess it was the first person or the first Twitter handle who made that joke. It was mostly a, a joke, apparently, because I was reading subtweets. And that person was like, I'm paying for this right now because people are dragging him through the mud for, right. you know, for, for creating a false narrative that Patrick Line is a little bitch, hates hockey, doesn't want to <laughs> play at the Worlds. You know, it, 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 what, from what I was reading and hearing, it translated more to, you know, it was an v- extremely difficult season. It was not fun and I'm tired and I'm not going to the Worlds. So I can see where that gets lost, right? Like it wasn't fun. So something in Finnish, if you're saying it wasn't fun, maybe you, maybe you loosely translate to the word hate in English, right? So all of a sudden it becomes, oh, he hates hockey. And no, it was mostly I'm fucking tired. This year was a gong show. Everything, like you said, everything that went wrong went wrong and I didn't have any fun, you know? So I think a little bit of cold water on the whole, I hate everything. But you're but, but you're right course, though. He doesn't have the greatest attitude, and that was that's back to his Winnipeg days. Yeah, of course, and and I think that was a concern right from the gate, where he seemed a little more concerned about other things as opposed to team success. Um, it, it's just really interesting because you know he had a terrible year. Obviously, things went sour in Winnipeg, and then continued to be sour in Columbus, which we called it. That was a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, Kind of a tough thing for Columbus, who really should have been selling high on Dubois when they ended up buying low, maybe a little bit on line A. Now they got Ross Levesque, too, who's turned out to be a bit of a stud for them, so credit there. But, uh, yeah, it seemed that um, this often happens, right? Guy goes out and gives a fiery uh, media interview to the foreign media, and these guys are obviously more comfortable, it seems, talking to the foreign media. I would be interested to see... When the dust settles, and it could be reported by now that this quote probably ends up somewhere in between. I guess whatever it is, is it's not good, and it's really unfortunate to see that, um, you know, a guy like Line is just underperforming, right? And, and so, it really, hopefully, he can find his game with Columbus next year, maybe mesh with whatever new coach they bring in. Because I'm at the point where I'm done ripping on the guy, and I'm just starting to feel bad for him. Yeah, well, okay, let me ask you a question then uh, as it relates to Line A. And we'll, may, maybe, we'll have to, uh, maybe we'll have to play the tape back at some point. But let me ask you a question about Patrick Line. Will he or will he won't score 40 goals in a season again? I'm going to say yes. Like 40 or more or whatever. I'm going to say he's going to score 40 again. Or should I drop that down to 30? I guess not because you think. I think he's going to score 40 one more time in his career at least. I can't tell you if it's going to be Columbus. I can't tell you when it's going to be. The talent is there. The raw talent is there. But somebody has got to harness this guy and bring him in. So do you think that this could be a situation where the right coach could fix everything and he gets back to 40 or or he's got to find it within himself or a mixture of the two both. like what are you thinking i think it's both 50 yeah, 50 both, both find, or what they're gonna have to find the right supporting cast because look he put up those numbers and with winnipeg with some like excellent top line nhl talent yes i don't know if they have that talent right now in columbus 
So it could take some time. It could take some maneuvering. And we know Yarmo is ballsy enough to make those moves. Um, they've got some holes to fill. And if they want to get the most out of line A, you got to have you got to have a Marner to a Matthews, right? Maybe an Eichel to a line A? <laughs> hey, you got to figure. I would definitely wouldn't count Columbus out of the running in that trade scenario. Well, you pointed out a couple times already. Like, Yarmo is, he's got the cojones to make a deal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He ain't I'm afraid. Scared. He ain't scared. Not one bit. <laughs> All right, son, you want to wrap this up? I think we, uh, we beat these topics to death. Had a lot of fun getting together with you. It's nice to, uh, uh, get back quickly to do another episode. I mean, but those were a couple of huge stories and I, end of season is always fun for that because you get more stories out of the teams that are out than the teams that are in. Yes. The other teams that are in, it's all business. Players are happy. We're just looking forward to the playoffs where you've got the teams who are out and you've Disarray. Got guys getting fired. You've got guys <laughs> bitching. Guys, guys want out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just, there's, there's a lot lot that uh, keeps on, and, and you know who knows? We might have a, a ton more for next week, but please tune in next week. We will have Paul Hendrick, the Maple Leafs legend himself, on this show. Uh, it should be really fascinating to hear from the guy. Um, we're definitely going to ask him about what he thinks about this year's rendition of the Maple Leafs, um, what he thought of players and teams from the past, I'm sure, are going to come up. So we're really excited to bring you guys that episode next week. Uh, thank you guys very much for listening. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, that's it, right? That's it. That's all it is. That's usually right. You do, usually you do all that wrap-up stuff. And just, well, Every once in a while, I just hijack you. I might as well reiterate anyways for the listeners. At Coleman42, at Let's Go Adam, at PuckPod. You'll find us on Facebook, Pucks in Deep Podcast, and... Make sure you're uh, following on that Facebook page because we are coming a lot closer to some logistical stuff that we've uh, been working on. Those irons in the fire, Lesko, that you like to speak so highly of. They're in there. They're stoking. We're looking forward to next week. And it's looking like the playoffs are actually going to begin on Wednesday. Not confirmed yet, but the North playoffs are speculated to begin on Wednesday night. And I don't know about you, Lesko, but I, for one, really hope that they stagger. We love that. I hope they stagger the Northern series. I don't hope that. I hope that the two series don't play on the same night. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think those are the ones that we'll be most dialed into. Uh, you know, if you're fans of uh, whatever team in the Canadian division, uh, I think we're going to be sizing up potential opponents at the same time. Um, real quick, I guess, real quick, we do know the Maple Leafs are playing Montreal. How are you feeling about that? Oh, extremely confident. And it's too bad because I shouldn't be this confident because I was confident uh, against Columbus last year. And look how that fucking yeah. went down. But it was five-game series and whatever. So bubble thing. Hey, they deserve to be the favorite, and I'm feeling very confident. And Leafs and this five. goes against the grain, and this goes against everything the Maple Leafs have taught me, but I smell a sweet. Oh, I love it. All right. Well, we're definitely peacing out on that note. We will see you guys next week. Until then, go Leafs go. Get Fox deep. <laughs>